emphasis there on the title is uh, that we do it according to the gospel. And so um, tonight we want to look to God's word to see what he has to say about how we are to relate to and uh, consider how we can uh, honor our parents uh, as the Lord has placed them uh, in our lives. Um, and it was an interesting uh, topic that some of you uh, had written down as something you'd like to uh, us to speak on. You know, uh, we are in a stage of life as a church where many of us are not only seeing our kids grow up as they're getting older, but also at the same time, our parents are getting older as well. And it seems like the pandemic that we are still in seems to have sort of accelerated that process. Um, and just by a show of hands, um, you know, just to get an gauge an idea of where we're at as a church, um, how many of you have parents that are still living right now? Right? Uh, how many of you are still dependent on them? Whether you're living under their roof or whether they're supporting you financially? Okay. Now, how many of you have parents who are dependent upon you? Okay, a fewer, fewer number of people, but still represented here. Um, and how many of you have unbelieving parents? Okay. And how many of you have Christian parents? Okay. Well, if you raise your hand to any of these questions, uh, hopefully this topic uh, will apply to you. And it certainly is something that Becky and I have had to walk through um, and are per presently walking through. And uh, it's certainly been a test of our faith. And there are, you know, for full disclosure, ways that both Becky and I still need to grow and ways that we need to repent of in honoring um, the Lord with the parents that he has given to us. Um, so you guys could be praying for us as well, you know, even as you consider how uh, you might apply uh, tonight's topic uh, to your situation. Well, to consider what uh, the Lord has to say about honoring and caring for our parents, I want to start with a familiar scripture passage, um, and we're going to go from the general principle and then down to the specific application. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. And if I could actually ask, um, let's see, who do I see? Danny, could you come up here and go ahead and I'm going to ask you to read from Exodus chapter 20. But as he's coming up, we've actually been walking through the book of Deuteronomy in our scripture reading on Sunday mornings. And so hopefully this context is somewhat familiar to you. And in Exodus 1 through 14, God, the Holy One of Israel, rescues his covenant people from bondage in Egypt. And he does this to display his sovereignty over Pharaoh and over one of the world's greatest superpowers in history. And this is apart from any inherent goodness or virtue. And despite the, faith, this, despite the unfaithfulness of the Israelites toward him, 
right? And then when we get here to chapter 20, the Israelites find themselves at the wilderness of Sinai, and they had witnessed firsthand God's deliverance through the ten plagues and the crossing of the Sea of Reed as they make their way toward the promised land. And Moses goes up to Mount Sinai to meet the Lord who would give his people his law. And as we learned from our survey of Leviticus a few weeks back, these laws were given to God's people so that by living according to his statutes, they would be set apart as belonging to him from all the surrounding nations. But more than that, so that they might enjoy his fellowship and to enjoy, and, and sorry, and to ensure his holy presence amongst them. And so that's the context in which we find Exodus uh, 20. So, Danny, would you go ahead and read verses 1 through 21 for us? All right. Um, Exodus 20, um, verses uh, 1 through 20. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. You want to read the rest? Oh, that's good. All right. Thank you, Danny. All right. Well, could I have my first slide here? All right, what, Jan, uh, what Danny just read for us is the Ten Commandments, right? And many of us are probably familiar with it. Um, you know, you may have memorized it growing up when you were in Sunday school, like I did. And we know that these Ten Commandments are not exhaustive. 
but they are representative of the entire law of God, which can be summarized as loving God and loving people. And this is the passion statement of our church, right? And the great and first commandment, according to Jesus in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. And in the middle of these Ten Commandments, we read in verse 12, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, I don't know about you, but I always found it interesting that the Lord chose to include our relationship to our parents as one of the Ten Commandments. Why would he do that? Now, he could have used our relationship with our spouse or with our children. Not that those human relationships are any less important. If I had to speculate, the reason is that not everyone will be married or have children. However, unless you grew up in an orphan, as an orphan, all of us have or have had at some point in our lives parents. Whatever the real reason, God expects and instructs his people to honor their father and their mother as a universal and specific application of loving one another. Another thing we notice in the verse is that it's also one of the Ten Commandments, it's the only one of the Ten Commandments with a promise of blessing attached to it. It says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This idea of God's blessing upon our obedience is reiterated in the book of Deuteronomy as the Israelites are about to enter into the promised land. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1 through 6, it says, God says, And if you, Israel, faithfully obey the the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall you be, shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. And clearly in God's eyes, honoring our parents is an issue of obedience and of great importance. So much so that his promise of future blessing is contingent upon their adherence to this law. But God gives the Israelites an even greater motivation to honor our parents. Not only his promise of future blessing, but also his provision of past grace. And we see this in the surrounding context of this particular commandment. Honor your father and mother comes after the first four commandments, which deal with what? You guys know? Right? Our vertical relationship with God. And those come after verse 1, which says, 
God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Therefore, what? They are to obey these commands. You guys all see that? Yeah, we need to view these commandments as a whole because it was written and intended to be followed in this way. We often take honor your father and your mother as an isolated commandment. But it flows out of who God is as the Holy One of Israel and what God has done to rescue the Israelites out of bondage in Egypt. As a result of his provision of grace, they were to respond, first, by loving the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's commandments one through four. And as an extension of their love for him, they were to honor their father and their mother, commandment number five. There's a deliberate order to what God has revealed and prescribed. We are to honor our parents as an overflow of our love toward God in response to what He has first done in our lives. And that is the timeless truth that we take from this passage. Though we are not the nation of Israel, the Apostle Paul applies the same principle to the church when we get to the book of Ephesians. As Christians, we have not been delivered out of slavery in Egypt. But we have been set free from our bondage to the trespasses and sin in which we were dead and in which we once walked before God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us made us alive together with Christ. Ephesians 2. We are not promised physical blessing in the land of Canaan. But rather, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places and are promised the riches of His glorious inheritance in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1. Therefore, Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 1, says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Again, this commandment is given within the context of God's saving grace and His promise of future blessing, not only to Israel, but also to us as the church. Well, how does this differ from our experience in this world? Can I get my next slide? If you were born between 1980 and 1996, and I barely made the cut, you are considered to be a millennial. And many of us in this church are part of this particular generation, also known as Generation Y, which sociological experts characterize as the me, or the me-me, or the me-me-me generation, depending on whom you speak with. And regardless of how many me's are attached, millennials are described as being entitled, lazy, and narcissistic, consumed with ourselves, honoring and caring for our parents is not a virtue we highly esteem or aspire to. 
According to 2 Timothy 3, verse 2 through 5, we live in a day and age when people are lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, so on and so forth. Others of us grew up in a family or Asian culture where there is an unspoken expectation that we are to take care of our parents as they get older. It is considered a familial duty or a cultural obligation to support them physically and financially because of the sacrifice and investment they had made while we were growing up and even now for some of you. And this was instilled and modeled to me at an early age by my parents, who helped support and care for my grandparents in their older age. Others of you grew up with parents who were absent or abusive. They were overbearing, disinterested, selfish or lazy, poor role models, even by the world's standards. Or perhaps they are not only unbelievers, but hostile, to the Christian faith. And I know that some of you have experienced significant challenges in your relationship with your parents. And certainly God would let us off the hook, right? Well, Scripture trumps all cultural, generational, and personal expectations and norms. The truth of God's Word is that as believers of the Lord Jesus Christ, We are to honor and care for our parents because of the work and promise of the gospel in our lives. According to Titus, it's part of the good works that is to characterize the one whose life has been transformed from the inside out through the power of the gospel. We are to honor our father and our mother because of the promise of future blessing, but also because of the provision of his saving and sanctifying grace. Now, how that looks in each situation and how this principle is applied differs for every individual. For Becky and myself, her mother and my parents would profess Christ. Financially, my parents are well off, whereas we have supported Becky's mom for the majority of our marriage. And in a little while, we'll hear from both Kevin and Cindy in how they've applied this principle to their present circumstances. But the Word of God is absolute and unchanging. We are to show honor and respect to our parents as unto the Lord, without exception or condition. Right? This does not mean that we condone or comply with their sinful behavior. For at the end of the day, we must obey God and not men. And Jesus also says in Luke 14, verse 26, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now hold on, is Christ contradicting himself here? Well, we know that's not possible. 
And instead, Christ here is speaking figuratively to make the point that he must have first place in our lives before and above any human relationship if we are to be his disciples. And so there are times we must speak the truth in love to our parents in order to stand with Christ. Yet we must do so in a manner that still honors and respects our parents in the eyes of the Lord. Honoring our parents also does not mean that we fulfill their every expectation, whether it's to become a doctor or to purchase them a home. It also does not mean that we honor them according to our personal preference. Rather, it's God's standard is that we are to love and honor our parents according to His Word and thereby fulfill His expectations of us, regardless of the way they have treated us. And this is consistent with the principle that we find elsewhere in Scripture that we are to serve and humbly submit to those whom God has sovereignly placed in and over our lives, whether that is our parents, our spouse, our master or employer, or the government, even if they are unbelievers, and especially if they belong to the household of faith. So the truth from God's word is that the gospel compels us to honor and care for our parents. And one of the practical ways we can begin to do this is to pray for them and also for ourselves, that the Lord might show us ways we can proactively minister to our parents where they are at. Well, let me end with a warning and an example, if I can have my next slide. Go ahead and turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5. And we studied this in Logos before, and I believe it was J.C., that taught on this passage, 1 Timothy 5, starting in verse 7. And this is in the context of caring for widows in the church. The Apostle Paul writes, Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. What he's saying is that when we fail to honor, care, and provide for our parents, we contradict our confession of the gospel. He says that we are being worse than an unbeliever. Those are pretty strong words. It goes to show that God takes this pretty seriously. In Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 7, one of the reasons that the Lord gives for Israel's judgment and exile to Babylon was a failure on their part to honor their parents. In Matthew 15, verse 4, Christ specifically calls out and condemns the Pharisees for not honoring their father and their mother. And it's all throughout the scriptures in the Old Testament and the New. And thankfully for us, 
The Lord doesn't just leave us with instructions and warnings. He also, in his word, gives us an example to imitate. And we find it in no other than the person of Christ. John 19.26, and I'll read. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciples whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Jesus entrusts and commits to the Apostle John the care and protection of his mother as he anticipates no longer being able to do that for her. And do you guys remember where Christ was when he said this? He was on the cross, if you guys recall. He was hanging on the cross, bearing the sins our sins upon himself when he thought of his mother and how he can care for and provide for her even as he was no longer going to be around for that. And even to his dying breath, Christ fulfilled every law of God, including the commandment to honor his earthly mother and father. He did this not only to serve as an example for us to follow, And not only out of obedience to his heavenly Father, but in order for his perfect righteousness to be credited to sinners like you and me. And it is this gospel that forgives us and saves us and transforms us so that through the provision of his grace, we can truly honor our father and mother as he calls us to. And so that's in a nutshell, um, big picture, you know, what it looks like and what it means to honor our father and our mother according to the gospel. And with that, I'm going to ask um, Kevin Now and Cindy Chu if you would come up here. And I've asked them um, to consider, you know, sharing with us um, you know, ways that the Lord has been challenging them and growing them in their respective situations and um, how they've grown in, 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 in this particular area. And so, actually, I'm, I'm going to change things up a little bit. I know I asked you guys to share, but I'm going to actually have you, if I can Q&A you guys on the fly. Mark, do you want to also come on up? Do you want to represent your family since you're here? Huh? You, we're good? Okay. All right. We'll just have... Um, so maybe you guys can both just share, you know, sort of what your family situation is currently. Um, and maybe Kevin and, and then Cindy. Sure thing. So, um, where do I start? Um, yeah, firstly, thanks, Ted, for shepherding us through those scriptures. Um, that's something that comes to mind is just that, yeah, all of us will have, you know, in many ways, somewhat different 
situations. Um, and of course, there's going to be overlap as well between all our situations. But I think the principles that Ted walked us through can help us think through these things. Uh, for myself and for Joanna, um, I think for myself, my dad is a professing believer, but um, I don't see the fruit in his life of what he professes. So I would not consider him to, to be a believer based upon you know what shows up in his life. Uh, my mom passed away a while ago uh, from cancer, and so we've been without her for a while, but before she passed, she did um, profess to believe in Christ, and she did show some fruit in her, her last days. For Joanna, um, her dad passed away a while ago as well, and before that, uh, uh, her mom and her, her father had separated. Um, he is not a believer, but uh, her mom is still with us today, and we believe she is a believer. Um, so a little bit of a, a mix um, across our family. Um, but the current situation right now, as many of you know, is that Joanna's mom needs a lot of care. While we were still dating, um, she suffered a stroke, and that really affected her mentally. You know, sometimes strokes are, are more minor, sometimes strokes are more severe. But for her, it really affected the, just the, you know, the ongoing, her coherency, her ability to remember things. And really that has worsened and degraded over time to where it's in a position of more full-blown dementia now. So it's very you know, difficult to communicate in any um, meaningful way sometimes, although there's still, still some there um, in terms of her understanding. Um, so, you know, but we would still consider her a believer. Um, she loves the Lord and, um, you know, if the circumstances permit, you know, she'd go to church as well, but she obviously needs a lot of help to get there and she needs um, some help from those who are in her church and those who can transport her, obviously. But yeah, um, currently we have a caretaker who um, stays with my mother-in-law for most of the time, um, but Joanne and myself will also um, have um, her stay with us for a few days a week, and that's also kind of mixed between um, my brothers-in-law and also us, so we sort of split the time um, and have her stay with us. Um, she's with one of us every every week, so we, we get to see her quite frequently and just have her as a part of our household and as a part of our family, at least for those few days a week. So that's um, our, our, our current situation. I'm sure we'll dive into a little bit more with some additional questions, but that's where we currently are. Um, well, my family, my immediate family members are not believers. Um, I jokingly but not jokingly say that they're living in their sins and loving it. Um, and, you know, when Ted first asked me to share, I said, oh, but I was one of the people who submitted this topic. Um, and, you know, Kevin and Ted were, gave some very humble and kind encouragement. And, you know, for me, that's where I am. I just realized, like, I need wisdom. <laughs> I need help. I need prayer support, and I just need the family of God. Um, and so, you know, going back to where my family currently is, I guess, with a little bit more background, again, they're not saved. Um, when I was saved um, 19 years ago, um, it just seemed like, you know, the life seemed to get more exciting and full and happy, and, you know, I was in college and in this bubble, but then family life seemed to kind of spiral downward, in a sense, just with, you know, my dad, whom I'd always seen as... Um, 
the, the provider, um, the strong one that I looked to, you know, like he had a lot of health issues and then my mom had her share of health issues and then just, I don't even know when I became the provider, <laughs> you know, and I think at one point there, you know, um, it was just doing a lot of things just on my own strength, like, oh, like, dad's sick, he needs this, <laughs> let me just give him everything he wants, you know, or um, mom's sick, and, and she's crazy, and she needs all these things, and just stretching myself, and going crazy to, like, meet their needs, and I mean, I didn't even realize it could be cultural expectations, or just, but it was just me trying to love them, and minister to them in the flesh, you know, just you know, not even considering the stewardship of money um, and not even considering the, um, just even my gospel testimony, um, just what was I providing for, what was I caring for, just because they're sick doesn't mean they get whatever they want. Um, and, you know, just having the courage to, um, to share the gospel with them um, and, you know, being um, the youngest by age, <laughs> um, they don't really want to hear it, you know. They kind of um, think that... Um, I don't know very much, or I don't know, like, they just look at me as a child still, even though, you know, when my dad had four heart attacks within the span of um, two months, four years, I don't know, the year that we went to Baltimore, um, I was the one, you know, they called me and said, um, my sister called me and said, you should check in on dad because he's not feeling well, and when I asked what was wrong, she described the symptoms, and I said, are you sure he's not having a heart attack or a stroke? And when I called home, my mom, being the good Asian woman that she is, denied all symptoms. And so, you know, after a few back and forth calls, um, he was suffering another heart attack. And so I had to call 911 from San Jose. And so, you know, just even in my pride, feeling like, how could you treat me like a baby when, you know, you don't even um, know how to take care of them? And, you know, there was just a lot of disdain and uh, frustration because I was just trying to serve on my own strength. I was running on fumes and I didn't ask for help. <laughs> you know, I just thought, well, I don't need help. I could still work. I'm fine. I could DoorDash. I could eat whatever, like, you know, like not even caring for the body that God's given me and not even caring for just myself in that way. Um, and then, you know, I, I just had to repent of that disdain. And so, you know, with my family, they're still not saved. Um, they're still a little bit wild. Uh, they still have a lot of different needs and expectations. But I think with just pulling in head covering from the church body, you know, pulling in shepherding and asking for help, you know, because, um, you know, not having a husband to say, I think you need to step back, right? Or not having a husband to kind of be that protector. Um, I think the church family has come in in that regards. And so, you know, I think just family's the same in a sense where, you know, they're needy, <laughs> their, their health continues to, um, you know, they're frail and they continue to grow even more frail. Um, but what's different is, um, you know, just trying to serve by the strength that God's given me so that he gets the glory and trying to steward just my testimony and I could think, okay, my family's not saved, but, um, you know, I feel like it's hopeless sometimes. But, you know, if I really believe that he can turn king's hearts and he can move mountains and he desires all men to be saved, um, why do I feel like, well, it's been 19 years. <laughs> I don't know they're going to be saved. But, you know, I think just learning to pray with a faith and having the family of God pray with me um, and for me and keep me accountable to that, um, that's just where we are. It's, it's kind of wild, but it's a little more hopeful. Sure. Yeah, and I think, you know, when we look, when we hear 
about both of your families, and I, I think about ours, and you know, you guys can think about yours, how crazy it is. Um, and we all have stories. Um, yeah, the assurance and the hope that we find in God's word is, you know, things are crazy. Um, things may not change for a while. Um, but if we have the gospel, you know, the Lord is, is changing us through these situations and hardships. And, and that involves parents, you know, and where they're at and, and their um, challenges and, and, and the promise is that God is going to grow us through them. So it's not in vain that God has placed us in these challenging situations. It's so that we can look to him and grow in faith. And, and so, you know, and, you know, coming back to this particular topic of what it means to honor and, and care for our parents um, according to the gospel, um, maybe you can share a little bit, you know, um, how you've applied that, you know, and, and they're in a difficult spot because when I ask them, you know, we're all growing, we understand that, we're not perfect, we're not there yet, um, but again, it's, it's, it's the power is not in themselves, it's the power of the gospel, and so um, they've been gracious to share how they struggled with this and, and where they're at currently, not that they've arrived, and none of us will until we get to heaven, and so... Um, you know, could you just share briefly on, you know, how, the, how you've been able to grow in applying the gospel to your present situation? Yeah, thanks to, um, for, for keying that up that way. You know, I think it's been a process for us. Um, as I was sharing with, um, with both of them earlier today over email, and none of us really are prepared entirely to have to care for our parents. Um, and I, I'm speaking specifically from the perspective of caring for aging parents whose health may be declining. And, you know, that's kind of a difficult thing to adjust to because, you know, growing up, you're used to your parents taking care of you and suddenly to have the, the tables turned and shifted, it, kind of, it can be kind of jarring a little bit. And, you know, Ted, I appreciate you just sharing about um, the millennial generation of which I think I'm a part. <laughs> Um, and, and yeah, there's, there's clearly a self-focus there, and I think that's all of us to some degree, that's something that we need to repent of, but you know, just when it comes time for, to have to care for, for parents, oftentimes that can be taken and we can struggle with, like, oh, this is sort of encroaching on, you know, my life, what I want to do, those types of things, and you know, this was a struggle for us, right, you know, being, uh, Joanna's mom suffered her stroke um, while we were dating, we weren't even married at that time, but then it obviously continued, she didn't really get better. It's not a situation where we're anticipating that her physical condition is going to really improve. It's one of those things of, you know, how can we keep things stable for as long as possible? Um, but it will, over time, get worse, um, one of those situations. And I think for us, you know, initially we struggled um, just in terms of, yeah, th this is something that's really going to be affecting our marriage, right? in terms of, yeah, to have her mom over for a while, like especially when COVID uh, happened, you know, we, we didn't really have a caretaker. So we were pretty much splitting time taking care of her mom, like full time between us and Joanna's brothers. Um, so, you know, that was challenging. We were in a, a much smaller apartment back then too, so there wasn't a whole lot of space. I was working from home. You know, we had a, we had a young, uh, young daughter. So all of this stuff was just like, you know, really compressed into a tight space. So it was difficult, uh, for sure. 
um, during that period of time. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, you, you look at the scriptures, one scripture that came to mind for, for us is one that you mentioned earlier from 1 Timothy 5 and just how it talks about um, caring for widows. And um, for Joanna's mom, she's a widow. So it's not only just caring for a parent, but it's for someone who, who is a widow. And how the, the primary thing is, yes, the church needs to take care of widows, but firstly, there's the widow's family, her relatives, and that's us. And there's a responsibility there to show godliness towards her. And that's something that, you know, even though we struggled with it, this was something that's very clear um, that was laid out in Scripture. Um, and also that last exhortation that, you know, for those who don't take care of their own family members, they're, we can consider them even worse than unbelievers, right? So those make it very apparent, you know, what our responsibility is towards those people who are in our family. And for Joanna's mom, you know, she was clearly the one who was truly a widow in that regard, as the scriptures talk about. So, you know, I think for us, it was a struggle, but I think it was clear, you know, what the Lord was calling us to do. Um, you know, eventually we got to a point where, yeah, we were able to find a caretaker to provide some assistance in that, but, you know, we still care for her in, in some ways, and we're still struggling through it sometimes. Obviously, Joanna bears a lot of the burden for taking care of her mom, and that takes her away from uh, the other um, responsibilities and roles that the Lord has given her as a mother, as a wife, and those things as well. So, yeah, it absolutely affects our family. It's not a convenient thing by any means. But at the same time, you know, our marriage is not the end-all be-all, right? We're, our aim in life is to please the Lord. And this is, we make it our aim to please him. And this is one way that the Lord has called us to do that. Um, and quite honestly, even though it's not a convenient thing and sometimes there are challenges there, would I say that our marriage is the worst for it? Absolutely not. In fact, the Lord has grown us and he's changed us and helped us to be more humble, to submit, or, submit ourselves to him, to be, you know, to consider someone else um, and put their needs before our own. These are all good things. These are all things that we need. And that's the way that even through taking us through um, some of the hardships that we've had to go through with it, he's actually, God's actually been ministering to us and he's been providing for us and blessing us through it all. So... You know, I, I, I think sometimes there's, our, our, the natural propensity and tendency of our hearts, my own included, is to avoid hardship, avoid difficulty, take the path of least resistance, right? You know, that, that's our bent. But often the path of growing and the path of holiness and the path of being more like Christ, that's not the path. It's the path of, of difficulty that the Lord takes us through and understanding that I want to be faithful even if that means it's the harder thing uh, for us to do. So those are some ways that the Lord has been growing us and teaching us. And again, not to say that it's, uh, you know, we don't struggle with it because we do. Um, no one's really in a place where well, when they're called upon to care for a parent who's, who needs help um, and needs care that we're prepared for it and it's going to challenge and it's going to push us. Kevin, yeah. It just reminds me what you were saying. You know, it's through these hardships that we're being conformed to Christ, too. It's not us coming into a situation thinking we're, we're here to fix the problems. And, you know, I got mom and I got dad and we, we're going to, you know, we're all good. It's, it's great. Christ is growing us through this to be more like him. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's like you said, at the end of the day, it's 
it's God's work in us, right? So, yeah, Cindy, if you could share maybe, you know, one, one particular way that the gospel has challenged you and the way you minister to your, your parents where they're at. Um, let's see. I mean, I think similar to Kevin, I definitely would prefer to not be inconvenienced. <laughs> and I would prefer just to have, um, just to not. But then I think I'm also crazy in the sense that I'm like, let's just take care of the problem. <laughs> You know, and I think it's like, you know, if I just go full force, go full speed and just get it done with, then I can breathe. Then I can go home, be with my dog, just pray to the Lord Jesus and be happy, you know. But I think just even that is just, it's just so much self-reliance. And it was so much just trying to take care of these physical problems. But, you know, I think firstly, it's just even, um, I've not committed to praying for my family since I was 18. And I don't know what happened, you know, like, I don't know when that, you know, that bitterness, that disdain, just all those things um, just ensued, you know, as I'm trying to serve by my own strength. And so, you know, just even repenting, uh, keeping with the fruit of repentance in that sense, and just um, asking the Lord for help, you know, like every, um, every, what is it, every time I, I mean, I go back to visit fairly often. And so, you know, just even when my dad was having different operations, different issues, not just for his heart, but for a lot of things, like head to toe. <laughs> but, um, you know, just even that, like, I always say, like, I feel like I'm, I, I, I would tell Pastor Mark or Becky, like, I feel like I'm going into war right now. <laughs> or like, I just, I, or like, I come back and I'm like, I just need to be alone because nothing godly is going to come out of my mouth, <laughs> you know. And, you know, just even like that kind of thinking and excusing it because, I feel like I've gone to war. I feel like I'm, I'm, t I'm just in the flesh and tired, you know? I think just learning to depend on the Lord, like committing to praying for my family regularly, um, and especially before I even enter the house, um, even on that drive to Sacramento. I mean, I have two hours. Sometimes I'm just like, just trying to distract myself so I could be happy until I get there. <laughs> or I'm just like thinking of other things. But, you know, just committing that time to just meditating on just, the things that I know are true, the things that are lovely and pure and true, and am I committed to displaying the gospel? And, you know, again, as um, the one who's youngest in age with, you know, crazy older siblings and demanding parents and whatnot, um, it's just, it's easy to be scared, you know, and to have excuses. Like, you know, like they'll say like, things like, well, that's your God, or like, well, that's not, um, that's what you believe, that's, but that's not what I believe. But, you know, if this is truth, then truth is truth, you know, and if um, I have a confidence in the Lord that he holds me secure, my salvation is secure, then I need to live in light of that. And so, you know, just, um, again, just asking the Lord for help and asking those that I love and trust and I know will pray. Uh, for help and you know even that is kind of a big thing for me you know and I think still learning to receive meals or where I'm like oh, I'm fine but you know just getting help <laughs> spiritual help well that's a good segue into maybe we'll take this last question because we're running out of time but you know oftentimes when we think about caring for or honoring our parents we think of all the practical needs that they have um, but maybe you could speak to maybe how how do you as a believer um, care for them spiritually? You know, whether they are Christians, let's just say for Christians as well as unbelieving parents. I appreciate that, Ted. That's actually where I wanted to go. Just, you know, Cindy, hearing you share, thanks for the reminder that prayer is such an integral part of caring for our parents. 
and, and one that is so easy to overlook. You know, and I will confess that we don't pray for Joanna's mom enough. We don't pray for my dad enough. You know, we need to do these things much, much more than we currently are. But yeah, as much as it is essential and as much as it's important, critical to care for our parents in a physical sense, in a practical sense, in a financial sense, yeah, there is also the spiritual sense that um, we need to prioritize as well. And, you know, for, for Joanna's mom, and, and this is maybe a related topic, but for her, just struggling with dementia, um, it can be difficult to have spiritual conversations with her. And it can seem that, okay, what's the, what, what gain is there to be had in doing this? She's not going to remember this or remember that. Um, and I think that's really where we need to just be on our knees in prayer. And we thank God and we thank the Lord that she is saved and she does have a relationship with God. But in terms of being able to minister to her, she's um, someone who will frequently have panic attacks. Um, you know, she'll hear voices. Um, she'll, um, you know, in her old age too, that she'll wander sometimes. Well, in the middle of the night, she'll get up and then she'll open the door. And, you know, sometimes she's even left and gone outside. So, you know, those are all, you know, concerns uh, that we're dealing with. But, you know, in terms of ministering to her spiritually, you know, I, I think one great assurance is that, that we have is that it's not really about our wisdom in terms of what we can the words that we speak, but it's really depending on on God and depending on the work that the Lord can do. And sometimes we can really make it all about the practical, physical things um, and forget that she needs spiritual care as well. And that we can still minister to her spiritually, even if her mind has, her brain, I should say, has, has degraded to the point where she can't think clearly or remember things. Because we remember that, you know, the mind and the brain are not the same thing, you know, according to the scriptures. There is a spiritual aspect of our souls, and depending on your, your eschatology, you know, there is a time and a season where we won't have bodies, and yet we can be with the Lord, and we can still think and praise and, and all, do all those things, and it's not dependent on a physical organ of tissue. But yes, the body is degrading, um, and there are issues there, but does that mean that we can't minister to the soul? It doesn't. We can still minister to the soul, and that forces us to depend on the Lord and the Spirit and what He can do. Yeah, if we share a verse with her, her mom, or a praise song, or read scriptures, um, we sometimes don't know how much is getting through, but that's where we turn to the Lord, get on our knees in prayer, and we ask Him and trust in him and put our faith in what the Lord can do and not necessarily what we and our words can do. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of faith that's necessary there. Whether there's dementia in the equation or not, we need to trust in the Lord, and that's true across the board. Um, yeah, I think uh, my parents don't, well, they, they, they don't speak English. Um, I think they are capable of understanding more than they let off. Um, but, you know, there's, there's a language barrier. And so, you know, even with sharing the gospel, it's, you know, um, I, I didn't know how. <laughs> I didn't know how to share the gospel in Cantonese. Um, and so I remember in college, I was, you know, trying to get certain words translated, and now I rely on Google Translate. Um, or, you know, just even speaking in Chinglish. <laughs> 
Um, but, you know, I think just even with that feeling, like, when I feel like I've failed <laughs> to share the gospel, and, you know, there's, there is a language barrier, and, you know, he needs to be able to hear it. Um, there are, I think just even, um, you know, so what I've been doing for actually all of 2022 is just asking a friend to translate one verse, like one part in Psalm or just like one thing that I could just read to my dad. And you know, at one point when he was going through depression, like it was like talking to a wall. Like sometimes I would, I called home every single night and no response. It was just air. And I would just tell him about my day. I would tell him what I'm learning at church. I would, you know, try to say something in broken Chinese that, you know, he's probably never heard me speak this much Chinese in my life. Um, but, you know, and no response. And sometimes my, the response would be snoring. And, you know, that's a little bit discouraging. But at the same time, you know, do I stop trying? You know, is it not worth it? Is there any less value in the gospel? And am I not preaching the gospel to myself in that moment? And, you know, even beyond my dad, um, my whole family aren't believers, right? So even caring for the caretaker spiritually, like for my sister, I just noticed that I just would grow frustrated or, you know, I would have particular ways that she could care for my dad. And so, you know, I think just even apologizing to her and just sharing with her, um, sharing the gospel with her, because I was so focused on my parents, you know, for the last however many years that I didn't share the gospel with my siblings. And um, now my nephews who are in college, which is weird, they're, they're men, <laughs> like, and they're, they're big. Uh, and like even my niece, you know, like they understand. And, you know, I've had conversations with them recently where they said like, why do you always talk about that? <laughs> you know, they're, they're quite like, they, they've been watching. And it's a little bit scary, but at the same time, just even trying to, you know, redeem every area that I can, and even in the areas that I neglected and that I failed, that the Lord was still using to just plant some to, some kind of seed, to throw a seed out there. And so, and, you know, but even just praying for just, you know, for fruit to come in the, on that soil. And, you know, so again, just really praying that they would be saved. Um, and remembering that it's not just my dad, but even the caretakers. Like, we had a home health aide for a little while, and, you know, it was easy for me to be like, you know, like, you know, I, I'm paying you quite a bit of money, you know, like, could you help do this? You know, having all these expectations, which I think could be communicated in a way that um, needs to be met, but, you know, even taking the opportunity to to say thank you, to share with them, and to say, you know, just just taking every opportunity that I can and just, you know, with that faith um, that it's not wasted. Um, and if anything, you know, it's the Lord's reminder to me that, you know, without his grace, without that radical transformation from above, I would be right there with them. Um, and nobody would be hearing the gospel, <laughs> I mean, you know, in one sense. But, yeah, I think just... Um, Again, you don't know. I don't know who's watching, um, and then just to um, to not be afraid to to share from the littlest to the oldest in my family. Well, thanks for sharing, and um, yeah, just to, I hope it, you guys were encouraged. You know, just to hear a couple of our members and just what they're walking through and how you can be praying for them. And you know, considering I know some of you guys are in that similar stage. Others of you are not there yet, but. Um, will be soon. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, you know, we don't do it for the results. We do it to honor Christ. You know, that's why we honor our parents. It's, it's because of we belong to him and we represent him. And um, 
yeah, it's not just limited to our, our physical help and, and providing for them financially, those sorts of things, but, you know, considering what is the greatest thing we can bring to them, and that's Christ. And so, whether that's sharing the gospel, but also living the gospel and, and praying for their salvation and for their sanctification, uh, I think that's first and foremost what I think about when it comes to honoring and caring for our parents is, is for their spiritual need. And so... Um, yeah, the result at the end of the day is in the Lord's hand. It's not in our control, um, but we can still honor the Lord um, through the power that is at work in us. And yeah, oftentimes, as you guys have both shared, you, you feel inadequate. You feel, sometimes you feel like you're worse than an unbeliever, you know, in, in, in the way you think through things or feel about things. But, you know, as it says in Ephesians, you know, that's where we need to um, remember you know, just the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, right? Um, it's the power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father. Uh, that power is at work within us. And so uh, we need to call upon God to help us in those situations uh, so that we can be uh, his instrument of grace in the lives of our parents. And so um, with that, I know there's probably a lot more questions or things we can talk about, but I thought we can just close in a word of prayer. And then, Tim, I think you have some announcements or whatnot. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for this evening. And thank you for the opportunity to look to your word, and to hear from you um, what you call us as your uh, people to do, uh, specifically in the area of our relationships and our relationship to our parents. It's one that we don't often think about uh, we're consumed with uh, our day-to-day -day lives. We're consumed with, with work, with, with school, with our kids, with our spouses, that uh, sometimes, especially if we're not living with them or they're um, living further away, it's often easy to neglect uh, how you call us uh, to be faithful to you in our honoring and caring for our parents. Uh, Lord, thank you for the gospel. Uh, Lord, which is sufficient for all things and for all relationships and all challenges and difficulties that you sovereignly place in our lives so that at the end of the day we would depend on you, that we would grow uh, in the knowledge and grace of Christ and be conformed into the Son through these difficult and often challenging relationships. And Lord, would you continue to grow our faith in you, that we would trust you as we uh, walk by faith, Lord, um, these uh, decisions that we have to make, um, but also the ongoing relationships that we have with our parents, Lord. And, and Lord, uh, may we um, not look to ourselves, our own strength, our own ideas, uh, or look to the world for answers, Lord, but may we come to the only place where we can find truth and where we can find grace, and that's the cross of Christ. And you've done everything uh, for us so that we can walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. And so would you help us to do so? in our relationship with our parents, whether they're elderly and, and have some physical ailments or um, have dementia or other you know, challenges uh, in the way or other, for whether our parents are younger um, and they're able, and yet still you call us to honor uh, and care for them in the ways you prescribe in your word. So thank you for the promise and the hope of the gospel. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.